Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. All right, today's episode features Tony and Taya, mother daughter duo, who launched the Chicago Birthworks Collective in 2018. It is the first collective of birth workers, healers, and wellness practitioners serving Black families across Chicago. We are excited to have them on the show today to talk all about the collective, but also share Tayo's birth story. Hello, Tony and Tayo. Welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Hello. Yay! Y'all know, I didn't used to say that until Princess and the Frog took over my house. There's a scene where Princess Tiana is in the restaurant. I don't know if y'all remember this. And her <laughs> friends come in and she says, hey, y'all. <laughs> my kids yes. say that to me all the time. Yes. I didn't realize that I started saying this to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I got to give her her credit. That's not me. That's all. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. So Maybe perfect. Um, welcome to Parenthood. We quote uh, oh, yes. Disney Disney movies everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Repeat random things like what movie was that? From? Right. Or singing Baby Shark just randomly in the grocery Dang. store. Yeah. Dang. How'd I get here? Um, all right. Can you both um, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family? So I have three children. I have a, a girl, a boy, and a girl. Um, my oldest is four. My son is two. And my youngest is eight months old. Um, I, I have a husband. People say sometimes that their husband is like their fourth child, but he's not. He's like... <laughs> Big brother that I can't stand. <laughs> and I'm like, it was your job to put the towels in the washing <laughs> He's like a big brother to me. Also a lover and friend, great stuff. Um, that's my family. We don't have any animals. We're plant based, y'all. But my husband doesn't rock with animals like that. So stuff. We had a fish that survived in our house for like 24 hours. Oh, <laughs> that's, it, that's as far as we go. We're good at raising humans. They have a dog. We don't have a dog. By way of me. Okay. Got <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Enough <laughs> dog. My brother's dog. Yes. That's how it is in my family. We have dogs by way of my parents. Yes. We can't. We can't. We can't. <laughs> my daughter's nice asking for a dog right now. He's like, oh, a dog. Hmm. Oh, hmm. He won't say yes and he won't say no. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh you want a dog? Oh, what size? Okay. <laughs> we haven't got a confirmation or denial. That works. Yeah. Just keeps the conversation going. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about oh. your pregnancy? I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I said that. That was excellent. <laughs> okay. So, um, my mama has been like my rock go to person for everything. If you ever met us, you would think that we were I was the only child. People think this all the time because I just use her up. Like she belongs to me. So when I got pregnant for the first time, she was like the same person. And it was kind of tough because I was like, look at my husband, like, what are you doing here? What's your job? <laughs> Aren't you finished? And so the third pregnancy around, we had gotten a lot more balanced, I think. And my mom did a lot of pushing my husband and I together and holding us accountable because I'm like, oh, mom, it's me and you. It's me and you. This man don't know anything. So the third time around, we had gotten into like a really sweet spot where my husband um, had watched us go through this 
two times before and my mom had taken all the steps back to make sure that we were comfortable. Um, she was kind of like just like a safety net on the outside and we were out mm. there doing it. So we really, really wanted to get pregnant this third time. Actually wanted a set of twins. So my mom is like my superhero because she can make twins. She can make two babies at a time. And I really wanted that. And so this is what my husband and I were like working toward. It's, we were like, if we just put our minds together, we can make these twins. And I had two miscarriages before my daughter. So I was like, it's all right. We're going to, you know, keep going and keep trying. So when I got pregnant with her, I was like, this is it. I made it past eight weeks. I was like, this is it. I was super sick in the beginning. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> we made these twins. And so I calling my mom every day. Like, did you feel like this when you were pregnant with the twins? Did, did your feet hurt like this? Or did your neck hurt like this? And she was confirming everything. So I was so confident that it was going to be a set of twins. And my husband was like praying that it wasn't going to be a set of twins. We never really aligned with that idea. So we um, bought our house. Yeah, it was just me. We bought our house in 2017. Like after Kamala was born, I think. In 2017. And when we bought this house, I said, you know what? I'm going to have a baby in here. <laughs> it's the first thing I said. So I already knew that I wanted to have a home birth. And me deciding that I wanted to have a home birth also meant that I wanted to facilitate my pregnancy a certain way. So when I became pregnant and I thought I was having twins and I was like eight weeks pregnant, I was like, I don't need to stress myself out trying to get a certain type of prenatal care. And I wasn't going to get any early ultrasounds or anything. But but I just knew I was having twins. So at eight weeks, I got an ultrasound, and it was not. And I was devastated. Oh, I was like, can you tell me that I was just sick like that for no reason? And it's just one baby in here. <laughs> and so it kind of, like, messed up my mind. And the first trimester of my pregnancy was just hard. It was just hard. Mm-hmm. Having two toddlers and trying to balance work and a business. I was in graduate school. My husband was in grad school. I just was like, this sucks. Why did I get pregnant again? This is not what I thought it was going to be. And then my dad passed away when I was 13 weeks. And I was like, I quit. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. Um, And my mom, I remember so, I remember so little about that year after he passed away. But my mom would tell me, you know, like, you have to choose to stay there, stay in it. Because she could tell that I was like drifting away. And she kept telling you remember that? Mm-hmm. She kept telling me, like, choose yourself and stay here. And that kind of reminded me to settle into this pregnancy, even though it felt so hard. I also fell down the stairs when I was holding my toddler. Wow. It was a catastrophe, y'all. <laughs> it was tough. And so I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. So I'm basically like immobile and caring for two toddlers. And I felt like it was probably the toughest pregnancy. My mom's been present for all my pregnancies. Would you say it was the hardest? It was a culmination of everything that she did and she didn't do in her first and second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it came to a head with all of the emotion of the third pregnancy and all of the... <clears throat> she was just really shocked and amazed that it was so different. Mm-hmm separate from the, the, the stress that she had going on, the pregnancy itself. And then you mix that on top with falling down a step, flight of steps. It's just, 
it's really sad. Much. Like, I know if you think a pregnant woman was on the stairs holding a kid, it was crazy. <laughs> Obviously, I'm alive and I didn't break any bones. But I was like, really? Right. Really? I'm just trying to walk <laughs> in the house. And my husband mm-hmm. thought that, like, I dropped something down the stairs. So he heard it fall. He heard me and my son fall. He didn't say anything. And I was like, hello? I just fell <laughs> on the stairs. He was like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, this is not real. Not real life. So, after that, mm-hmm. we're going to say something? Oh, she hurt herself. I but did. I'll let it to that part. <laughs> I okay. did. She actually hurt herself. I did. I almost, like, broke my tailbone. No, to, to, to finish, finish. Well, <laughs> count on mom. Count on mom. <laughs> Throw you, you out there. She wanted to try and minimize. I just fell It really was as bad as it could have been, y'all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean. mobile. I did end up going to the doctor and I had basically like shifted my pelvis out of place. And mm. I went to the chiropractor. I had to go to physical therapy and your shoulder. Yeah. A lot of stuff. It was a lot of stuff that was tough. So my mom, like everyone basically had to care for me throughout my pregnancy, which mm. helped to prepare for this home birth. And I was almost like, not almost, I was very much so on the fence. Like guys, we can't do this. Like I yeah. pretty much broke my pelvis. I'm sad. I'm tired. I'm hurting. I also had um, a cystocele prolapse. So my bladder was falling into my vaginal canal and coming out of my vag- coming out of my vagina. I was like, husband, you see that? He was like, yeah, I see that. I'm like, what do you think that is? He was like, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> so here I am like, mom, what do you think this is? It was my bladder. So I did rest um, as I should have after my second pregnancy. And then, you know, you will find that out. I learned seriously that your body does not forget. It might forgive you, but it doesn't forget. No. And so I was reminded of all the rest that I did not um, get into in this third pregnancy because things were just falling apart (laughs) and down and out. So people were really caring for me. um, physically throughout my pregnancy and they are the reason that I felt like okay we can still attempt this home birth you know I thought yeah. like I'm, I'm way too high risk and I'm just too tired it was tiring trying to prepare my mind for the next day yeah and for the moment that I was living so I'm like how am I gonna plan a home birth because you have to be very engaged to have a home birth yes and we had a family birth so we had a birth without um a midwife okay so I'm like, we need to be on it, you know? We have to be very vigilant and we have to be very aware. And I didn't feel like I was there. But everyone that took care of me, and I mean, it was a whole village of people that were taking care of me. The way that they showed up made me, it kind of just like up my game. Like, Tayo, if these people can show up for you, you can show up for yourself and have this yeah. birth. Don't give up mm-hmm. on what you said you were going to do. I knew that I never wanted to have a baby in a hospital ever, ever, ever again. And throughout that pregnancy, I had received prenatal care from midwives in the hospital. And it was, it was really hard for me. I had a really traumatic pregnancy um, the second time with my son. And so it was, I hate to use the word triggering, but it was just tough. Like I was very sensitive about the way that certain um, topics were handled and certain things that were said to me in the hospital. Yeah. So I was like, no, we got to do this. We have to have this home birth. I cannot go through another hospital birth. Yeah. I just can't do it again. So they um, 
all stepped up to the plate and kind of carried me through the end of this pregnancy. And yeah. I had also prodromal labor. Seriously. Are y'all familiar? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Before, you, before you get to that, I kind of want to um, touch on, you know, the fact of you minimizing um, what had happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's well, so... We don't, we don't need all those explanations. <laughs> um, but how important it is to have support people who will call you out and be like, it's okay for it to be what it is and yeah. you need to sit down somewhere. It's almost like a civil tactic to say like, that wasn't that bad. I got to keep moving on. Because mm -hmm. when you look at the reality of like, I lost my father who was like my favorite person in the whole entire world. I am parenting two little babies. I am juggling all these things. It made me feel like, you are so small in comparison to those things. So a survival tactic of mine was to minimize those things, those other things, so that I could feel bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. so feel like I'm larger. I am capable of overcoming those things. But everything you're saying is right. It was a big deal. It was a really right. big deal. Right. She knew, it. she knew it and she held me accountable. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were just talking about this in a, a earlier recording about you know, home birth and how much work it takes and how you actually have to mm -hmm. prepare for it. And we like, don't talk about that enough. And people just think, oh, you have a home birth. And there's like, no, there's actual work that needs to be done to have that experience. And I think you knowing that, and then also having people hold you accountable to work through all the things so that you could feel like, okay, I can go into this and I can do it. Yeah. Um, is so important. It was a big deal. I I literally would not have been there. It's like they carried me. More like dragging mm -hmm. me. They drug yeah. me along. So what was I, what was I saying? So, oh, go ahead. Labor. traumatic yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. I was talking about this prodromal labor. I had it in both the pregnancies. You didn't let her ask her question. Did you have a question? Well, I did have another, <laughs> I was going to ask another one, but that's okay. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to speak like directly to you, Tony, about, um, you know, we, we, as doulas will some like really express to people to think about who's going to be there for their birth, who's going to be their support people mm -hmm. and how sometimes when you have family members, it can be really hard for them to remove the emotional piece of their connection to a family member. So I'm just wondering like how you are able to tap into like, you know, being a supportive support person, but also being a supportive um, mother throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> she was my first experience with having a child um, be pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's very emotional to be the support person or the point person for your daughter and still relishing the fact that it's your first grandbaby, mm -hmm. you know, and everything that goes along with that. Um, I, I subscribe more to what I can prove. She is one that is from the show me state. So you have to show her this is this because of this. This says that this is this because of this mm -hmm. you know she has to have something that you can she can string information to mm -hmm. and she can research for herself and say oh, oh okay 
That yeah. is just called logical person, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would say like a practical person who so. needs evidence. <laughs> it's not to say sometimes with some mother and daughter relationships, you just do it because your mom said do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's not like that. She wants to, and I, and, and, and I never, I want my children, I always taught them to trust your own notes. Mm-hmm. Trust what you can prove. Trust what you can, what you feel, what resonates with you. Because what I do to get through life is my life. And what you have to get through your life and how you see it and how you want to live it is yours. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of all the stuff that I went through with her first pregnancy and her second pregnancy, and I'll spare you guys that, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm brought us to this person that she is today that says, I'm going to do this one at home. So yeah. it was a whole lot of emotion after you, if you take out the fact that I'm her mom and you just say your client is requesting your services mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. a third time. Yeah. And this time, this person that didn't listen to this, 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 <laughs> this wants to have a baby at home. So yes. you know, isn't that your oh. favorite repeat client? <laughs> the one that didn't listen you the first time okay. or the second time but, but they're like you were the best you helped me do all of these things <laughs> so there were a lot of things in the the deciding and the maintaining the the course of doing a home birth for me with her that were it expanded my mind in a lot of different areas her courage to do it her her courage and her strength to stand her ground Mm-hmm. In the face of all of the other things that she was experiencing, saying, I still want to do this mm-hmm. at home. I still want to do this at home. And even like when she fell down the stairs, I said to her, you should probably go see a chiropractor. <laughs> I don't need to go see a chiropractor. I say that. And um, it was, I think, weeks later when I came over to give her a massage, when she would allow me to touch her, sometimes she wouldn't even. Because she was so early in the pregnancy, she was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need, you know, but she had been complaining that she was in so much pain, that when I touched her, I was like, your body's like this. It was. <laughs> Literally. I was limping around, y'all. It. Her shoulder blades were kinked and like bent. You could feel it just, just putting your hands on her and trying to, so I think that was the start of the revelation for her of what it means all of the things that I had said to her in the first and the second pregnancy of like why it was important to do it Mm -hmm. because we Mm -hmm. would butt heads a lot in the first and second pregnancy when I would say hey you really shouldn't be doing that oh yeah hey you really and she was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. like let me live mom you know I've been pregnant (laughs) for like I can go up and down these steps quickly and I would say you one shouldn't be on the steps Two, you should be doing it quickly. Right. You know, stuff like carrying the diaper bag or carrying the car seat. Oh, you my know, gosh. Different things like that. I said, this is over the capacity, the eating the weight capacity for what you're supposed to be carrying. Can you believe that? I, I'm a doula and I don't listen to my mama who's a doula. Who I mean. Mama. That? <laughs> is that crazy or not? I was just like, mom, you're doing a lot. You're doing too much, okay? I'm all right. My legs work. And I see that in my clients sometimes and I get just as frustrated. Like, what's wrong with you? Do you want to have your pelvic floor intact <laughs> next year or not? But it's it helps hard me. to be a patient, you know? 
It is. I think really my my experience was just it was like really layered. I felt like I had caused so much um just trouble being pregnant. My first pregnancy and my second pregnancy that the third time around, I don't want to be handicapped anymore, you know? I didn't want everyone always having to help me to do everything. And I also struggled with the idea of like being a black woman who couldn't do for herself, you know? I'm young, I'm 26 and I have three children. So I had a lot of insecurities about, like I had these kids on purpose. This was not an accident and I'm gonna do these things and I'm gonna be good. And I'm gonna show everybody that this was intentional. And so I didn't really wanna ask for help for anything. And I also struggled with believing that I deserve that much attention and that much help and that much care. And I, I do it now, but I was just telling my husband yesterday, about how much my body has sacrificed. I'm like, you never go to the hospital. And he's like, yeah, because you always in the hospital. <laughs> but I thought, like, it hurt me a little bit because I'm like, I am, and I'm always needing help. And, but it's because mm-hmm. I've sacrificed a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. I've given our family three human beings that have blessed our whole family. People love our kids so much, and they're constantly telling us how much of a gift they are and how much joy they bring them. And I had to sit back and realize you did that. You brought them here. Yes. So if somebody's going to care for anybody, it's you, sis. Yes. <laughs> you get to get mm-hmm. all that care. You get to have that attention. But in my pregnancy, I really struggled. So I didn't feel worthy at all. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things uh, that is unique about uh, this situation in terms of like me being your mom, there are times before she was pregnant where she would let me cater to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, flower crowns up to her school oh, yeah. and sushi she's down for all of the you yeah, know the you could love on me yeah but when <laughs> to her being pregnant uh you could do, you could see you then wanted to be like this individual oh, yeah. or this mm. uh, and i think sometimes with black women we fail to allow people to love us mm-hmm. and just cherish us and just bless on us and just rub on us and just, you know, fan love and, you know, a a compliments and, you know, just, uh, worship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you don't, it takes sometimes too much time or time that you, that you could use other, you could use better to get to that point of, wow, I do need this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you need it before you have your baby mm-hmm. you need it while you're pregnant. You need it after you have your baby and you need it thereafter mm-hmm. because it's such a, a continuous giving and, and from a place of, we'll talk about how you replenish where you're giving from later when it's, <laughs> Another podcast <laughs> on another. You see another that she's invited herself back to. Well, I'm to just I love it. She's coming back. She's coming I, I, back. Don't be, I don't want to go off on a tangent. She tells me that I'd be going too far. It's but fine. You don't understand. Like sometimes women don't understand the complexities, and you don't understand what it takes to be a mom until your child, your kid is like five, six, seven, yeah. eighteen. Yeah. You like I should have been. Oh yeah. Wow, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you don't know what mm-hmm. you know until you know it. You better. But when you when you just heed those things early, you make your five year old child experience, your ten year old child experience, your seven 
you're eight, you're 12, you're 15, you make it different because mm-hmm. you learn how to constantly redeposit into yourself yes. and allow people to give and bless you and you learn how to accept it. Man. Yes. And I, a lot of times we don't know as black women sometimes how to accept genuine love compliments and just help. Nobody mm-hmm. wants anything from you. Nobody's trying to deceive or cheat you yeah. all the time. Yeah. Somebody genuinely just wants to help you be the best you that you can be. You know what this makes you think of? Um, Dorothy Roberts talked about this in the beginning of Killing the Black Body, about the maternal child conflict or maternal fetal conflict. But I think black women have experienced this like um, hitting against their children. It's like, like your child matters, but you don't matter that much. So like I'll help you with the baby, but you got to get it together because you got yourself pregnant. And that mm-hmm. baby is helpless, but not you. And I think even if it wasn't like explicit, I may have internalized somewhere that the baby needs help, but like, Ayo, you got to get it together. You got to fend well, for yourself. She, she talks about, she talks about a lot of that in a lot of different scenarios mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm, book. Yeah. And one of the things that I agree with in there, I believe it was in that book where she talks about the stress of our genes yeah. having a baby mm-hmm. from what happened with the trauma in our genes back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. how it translates into trauma and how we appropriate that trauma into our lives now it is a direct result of the trauma that was in our genes then. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more like that in yeah. terms of like how we perceive pregnancy, how we perceive mm-hmm. what you actually need during pregnancy. Yeah, you're right. Um, and it, it doesn't, it, it, it comes into play it, it focuses on just like the mom and the baby, but not the family unit. Right. And all of those things are a part of the working part. A mother is not, was asexual mm-hmm. making babies on her own. But as soon as she becomes pregnant, like even in ads, you see sometimes they'll advertise black women single. Yep. Her interior mm-hmm. by herself, her with the diapers by herself, her mm-hmm. on the bus with the baby with no <laughs> pants on and the dog on diaper. <laughs> herself <laughs> you know as if yes. we, are, we made children by ourselves right you know? and, like, mm-hmm. right. Finger and now i'm pregnant right and, mm-hmm. you know when you incorporate and you teach women to foster good relationships with yourself and mm-hmm. with other women you can then start to heal the relationships or just get good foster good communication between you and the father because at some point you were communicating well Mm-hmm. I mean, man, good enough. <laughs> you know, enough. talking about some other type of abuse, then mm-hmm. that's another situation. Mm-hmm. But I think that trauma in the genes, it affects both men and women. Yeah, and it absolutely. Absolutely. And it affects the black family. So, you know, mm-hmm. brings uh-huh. back absolutely. to how those birth works collectively <laughs> about healing black families. That's right. Good job, <laughs> Professor Mom. Right. 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 Because it is, it's, it's so much, ah, uh, it's just, it takes, I mean, we say this all the time, it takes a village, but like it, it really does take us understanding that we're not supposed to do it by ourselves. Not mm-hmm. any part of it is no. supposed to be by ourselves, but we've, we've fallen into this, this um, cycle of that's what it's supposed to be like. And it's not. It is a whole family, whatever that family looks like, whatever that family structure mm-hmm. is, t- experience. Everybody is changed from a birth, from a pregnancy, from 
another life being added. Everybody in the family is shifted when that occurs. And you, everybody needs to be prepared for that and supported through that. Not even just the six weeks after the baby is born, but Danielle and I were just talking about this like a couple of days ago. Like, you know, we say all the time, postpartum is forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah, forever. And you're constantly <laughs> learning new things about yourself and your children and your relationships. And it's just a continuous cycle of like needing to redeposit into yourself, into your relationship, mm-hmm. into your kids. And you need support to do that. So all of that hits Absolutely. on that for sure. Mm-hmm. We, we should have something on teaching people how to create a village. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I yes. say it takes a village or you need a, 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 you know, a village or you need a support system. It's not broken down into how do you go about finding those people, establishing this, building those how do you reinforce this? How do you maintain this? So how do you true. show mm-hmm. appreciation with Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I think sometimes people don't understand how to accept and then say thank you. I really appreciate yes. you, and right. then show res- appreciation for mm-hmm. what you. There's a give and a take and a and a and a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't understand men and women. You know, just you see it in in how they are friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you like, girl, what? How? Who, Taught you how to be a friend. What? <laughs> Hello? Because a lot of people didn't go to school on friend day when they were talking about <laughs> absent. You know? Like, girl, you don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that stuff. Oh. About how, how we made it through. So I, I was talking about how much it supported me, but I have to be very, very honest and say that it was my husband who laid an extremely like strategic foundation for how this was going to work. Mm-hmm. So as my mom was talking about teaching people how to build a village, I don't know like if my husband like has an alternate black woman living on the inside of him, but he, <laughs> he made it happen. He evolved from okay, yeah, he grew. one. He grew, but I think it's the black three. woman inside. But you, you took our story from these men's perspective. Yes. He, yeah, I actually do have one with my husband. Yeah. You have one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine with my husband is on know. our podcast. Yeah. And it's a different one. It's a different it perspective. All the things that stood out to them. And you're like, oh, I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that happened. Oh, you were mm-hmm. feeling like this? Yeah. You know? Yep. Like, that was a real good one when you did this. Mm-hmm. You know? And <laughs> yeah. you get to see the evolution of a man yeah. turning mm-hmm. into husband, a father, and a different way than just you need to be like this or mm-hmm. you need to be like that. You actually get to see how that takes place and how those wheels start turning. Yeah. So the person he really that he grew. became, I'm going to let you, let her get to the end of this story. It's a whole different guy. Man, he really grew <laughs> so much. But I'll just focus in on this third pregnancy. He knew that I needed support and he is like a super macho man, like man's man. And he thought that it was going to be him. Like, I'm going to do this stuff for her. But you can't carry me and our two kids. <laughs> everywhere all the time and so he got very humble and said we need to ask our community for help and he created like a structure so he made a group chat um via the group me app he assigned everyone roles he organized um a group like family dinner every month leading mm-hmm. up until my birth and he would create an agenda and he would say okay this month we're gonna go over um 
what the group's fears are. Is anyone afraid of anything mm-hmm. happening at this birth? Let's let that out. Let's let that go. Uh, next month, we're going to talk about strategic stuff. So here's what we'll do in a case of an emergency. Here are the important things that everyone needs to learn. Um, he allowed everyone to kind of select their own role and how they want to participate in the birth. So what do yeah. you feel comfortable doing? Um, you know, what do you feel like your skills are? And then he followed up with them every month. Like he continued to engage in these relationships with all these women. Y'all, it was all women. He kept the, th- he kept the thread alive. Yes, he did. Yes. Yes, he did. He, he always said thank man. you. <laughs> Named yeah. it, I think, like Tile's support village or something Aww. with the black muscle emoji and maybe the black <laughs> too. And he was so serious about this. And he would clean the house every time. He would cook lentil tacos every single month. I think we ate <laughs> every dinner, y'all. That's his like go-to meal. <laughs> but he made sure that the women that were supporting me felt good, felt supported. And during our meeting, he would kind of disappear. He would watch the kids, mm. clean the house. He would he made sure that things were in order for us to build this like tight bond. These are already yeah. women I was very close with, but he created that space for us to do it. And during our birth, he was so present, but he also did like not real. Look- let any of us outwork him. No, no. Oh. No. Nah. And he was he was present in a way that was like women would have we would have did that. We would have did it, but he's like, no, there's some things that I can't do as a man. So you're gonna let me do these 17 other things. Mm-hmm. We could have mm-hmm. cleaned the house. We could have wiped kids. We could have put them to bed and we could have grabbed this. Like, of course we can go down to the basement and grab the box. He's like, no, I'm gonna do that. And I'm about to sit in this bathtub with you <laughs> crying acting like you don't know how to have this baby. And I'm going to do that. He was amazing. Uh, he really was amazing. Like, I can't just say like, oh man, all these people came around. They came around because they wanted to. But my husband made it so easy for them to be present and yes. support me and our whole family. It was incredible. And to, to, to see, it's, it, it brings tears to your eyes to see a, a woman become a mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, as it, just as it does to see a man become a father Mm -hmm. and to be, because every, no matter how many children you have, you become a different, you, you, you you have access to a different part of yourself every time you go through that whole pregnancy, because Mm -hmm. they're not the same. They're similar, but definitely not the same. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, him coming into um, what I call his dad shoes, yep. his outfit that rums out. Yeah, he turned into dress a real shoes dad. And his sweats. Don't you out my and husband, <laughs> okay? He's so fine. <laughs> he just looks like a dad sometimes. And he loves his comfort level with his new uh, found uh, father freedom. Oh, yeah, he's he's like 100% dad, y'all. 100% dad Live all it. the time. You see him Live on up. like, that's a dad right there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's daddy. Yeah. It's good to see how much it really was the reason I got to grow as much as I did. Right. 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 Well, I'm loving all of that. And I really and I and I didn't even think about how important it was to like focus on how to create a village. Like that just Mm -hmm. sparked something else in my head. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us about your birth? Oh man, it was so fun. <laughs> it was so fun. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm being so sarcastic. This was like <laughs> the best thing I was doing in my life. Oh my gosh. 
So like I said, I had prodromal labor. I had experienced it. My first pregnancy, I thought it was practice contractions. I, I don't know who Braxton Hicks is, and he don't own anything in my body. So they were just practice contractions, right? Second time, I was like, oh, no, this is a little bit more serious. Third time, I'm like, okay, I know this is going to happen. My body does this. Let me just prepare my mind for it. And I thought that I was really prepared. I wasn't. So one week before my labor began, I had a seven-hour stint of contractions that were five minutes apart. We thought it was go time. Everyone was there. I was doing my thing. You know, like, my, my labor's begin. I'm going to cook some soup. I'm going to clean my house. <laughs> doing all that stuff. I got in the shower. Them contractions was like, good night. We out. And just stopped. So I was mentally, like, wrecked. I was a wreck. So I'm like, this can't happen anymore. I'm so tired. I'm in so much pain. And I, I was the only one who knew my due date. Everyone was like, no, nah, I'm sure it's a little further out. I'm like, no, it's, it's June 19th. And I had my daughter June 18th. So on June 17th, the morning, this was my twin sister's birthday. This is also how I knew I was supposed to be having twins, y'all. I had the same due date as my <laughs> twin sister's birthday. Anyway. <laughs> So June 17th that morning, I start, I was always having contractions all the time, all day long. These ones just made me like sit up in the night. I usually was able to sleep through them. I could just recognize I was having them, but they were very far apart. They were like 30 minutes apart. So I was like, dude, I'm just uncomfortable. So it was like five o'clock in the morning, like five or six in the morning. I got up and I called my mom. And I'm like, mom, I'm just tired. Can you just come over here? Because I'm just just tired. I don't know what I was asking her for, but I just wanted her to come over because I felt like I was in so much pain. I just needed something or someone to help me get through the day because I'm like, mm. if these contractions... She was scared to pull the trigger and wake the whole village yeah. up and have everybody come because uh, again. it was just the, the, what she said, faith. Yes. Practice contractions. <laughs> yeah. That's mm -hmm. what they are. Practice contractions. So... I called my mom and she's like, yeah, we'll come over. Um, it was the summertime, so my brother was still here. He hadn't left for school yet. So I'm like, yeah, y'all just come over. We'll watch movies and just relax. So maybe like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, I woke my husband up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling good, but these contractions, they're so far apart. I don't want to call them anything. And they just really, really hurt. And so he was done at that point. He was like, look, you holding this baby in there. <laughs> And you need to get this baby out. I mean, I was crying all the time because I'm like, how am I going to know? I also had two inductions, y'all. So this was my okay. first time having a spontaneous labor. Mm -hmm, and so I felt mm -hmm. really, really unsure about what it was going to feel like, be like. I had seen tons of other people, right? But not my own body. And so I didn't really have faith that I would know when it was time. Mm -hmm. And that morning, my husband told me, like, you can either ask this baby to come or you can just keep getting thrown back and forth and be just fluctuating. And so he said, let's put you on the breast pump. Let's get on the pump. Okay. He really is. He said, we're going to get on this pump. And your contractions are going to pick up and they're going to get closer together or you're going to go back to sleep. He said, but we're not losing anything trying. And so he cleaned the house like he always does. He took the kids to the park. I rested a little bit. And when he got back, he drew me up a bath. I got in that bathtub and I alternated breasts, 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off. And my contractions went from 30 minutes to 15 minutes apart. And I still was like, all right, okay, this is a little something. They were strong, but I didn't believe it for real. I think I just wasn't ready for disappointment again. So I'm like, it's going to be what it is. So things were just kind of moving along. I was feeling uncomfortable and 
moving around throughout the house. My mom and my brother finally got there. We tried watching a movie, I think, downstairs. I think we made it through a movie. We may have. My husband took the kids to the park for a very long time, and... Things didn't get cracked until late. Yeah, but what was incredible was, like, they made the day go by. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, like, anxious. I didn't feel, like, restless or anything. I just felt like I was kind of... We had a photo shoot on the back porch, y'all. Like, we was doing stuff. We were getting around. We, um... I ate. My husband made some more tacos, of course. And I ate those tacos <laughs> while I was in the bathtub. There's a picture of me in the bathtub with the breast pump to my breast with a bowl of salad and two tacos floating in the water on a plate. It's my favorite picture. Yeah. I mean, I was just living. I was like, this is easy. That was labor. Yeah, this is cool. I love it. I so love it wasn't it. until maybe like 9 o'clock that night that my mom was like, I'm about to tell everyone to come over. And I was like, oh, oh, right, because I'm in labor. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see, I see. So people started coming through, and my contractions, honestly, they were quite sporadic. They, were, they never got, like, very, very, very consistent. And so I had to many, many, many times check in with myself and release the idea that my contractions needed to be a certain way in order for mm-hmm. labor to be real. I kept mm-hmm. having to listen to my body telling me, I know what I'm doing. You may not know, but I know. So if you trust me, we'll be good. So I think around like nine o'clock, maybe they were like five to seven minutes apart, maybe for like an hour. And, and I remember telling my mom and my brother, these corrections hurt so bad. I want to do that. I'm getting murder scream. And my mom was like, well, why don't you? I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is my house. I can do that. And, and once I started screaming, I didn't stop screaming. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, it was like taking the little seal off. And you can't put it back. <laughs> I was so loud. Like, but not just loud. So like, I was like obnoxious. Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> no. It was, it was what she was holding yes. to that mm-hmm. whole time. It was. So trying to get her to go through the emotions of everything that she felt throughout the pregnancy, mm-hmm. all the stuff that life had brought her, mm-hmm. she was like, she had it in pockets or something, yeah. emotional pockets. So when I told her, well, go ahead, you know, just, she you, let I it mean, rip. I forgot I was in my own house. Like, I I'd only had hospital births and I always wanted to be curious at the hospital, you know? <laughs> So at home, I just, I got loud and I started to kind of sink into what was happening. Like, this is your labor. This is happening. And you have all of these feelings and emotions and physical feelings that need to come out. And I got real serious in some, and I kind of went into like a trance. So maybe between nine and 11 o'clock was when everyone showed up. I think we had maybe like six or seven people that came. There were two or three doulas. Um, a really good friend of mine who was my daughter's godmother college, my mom, my husband, my little brother was there and, and, yeah. and my daughter and my son. Um, so my husband had ended up putting the kids to sleep, but my daughter refused. She was like, I'm the midwife and I'm the doula. I need to be here. So I'm like, you're she right, girl. So helpful. She was wide awake the whole time. She was what? She Listening was with her stethoscope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Water, rubbing yep. her back. It's so yes. many right she's very very attentive very 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 attentive so I kind of like zoned out um 
I remember it was, I was trying to have the baby on my sister's birthday. I thought that'd be so cool. And so I remember it was like 1130 something and I felt complete. Like I felt like my cervix had completely dilated. I felt the shift in how contraction feeling. I felt that the baby was much lower and I knew I was complete because I felt like I approached the veil of birth. Y'all know that feeling where you know you're about to have your baby soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only compare it to being a doula when you hear someone say like the baby's coming, the baby's coming. And you know, as the birthing person, like my baby's about to come out. I don't know what stage of anything I'm in, but I know this baby's <laughs> about to be here soon. And I felt it and it felt like a curtain or like a veil I, like brushed past my face. Mm. And I had this quick realization of like, you're about to have this baby and this birth is here. And I started weeping. I started mm. like sobbing, wailing, <laughs> all, all of the types of painful cries that you could think because I immediately thought of my dad and I was just like, man, I'm about to become mm. a person that my dad will never know because mm. he only knew me as Tyo with two kids mm. who was pregnant and he was so excited that I was pregnant again. So excited. So I'm like, if I have this babe, I'm going to step into a new skin. I'm about to be a whole new person. And He'll never know me. And I kind of didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm scared. And so I just started weeping and I couldn't get him off my mind. And I felt so just hurt. But it really felt like the first time that I was able to full term just express my grief. And for like 20 minutes or so, I couldn't say any real. I couldn't say that. And so everyone was like, what are you feeling? Are you hurting? Is there what's going on? Because I just started crying. And so people held space for me for like 30 minutes or so after the first 20 minutes, and I was able to explain how I was feeling. They let me kind of just rest for a second and my contraction stopped. They stopped and I wasn't worried that they stopped either. I got like a second rest. And once I was able to gather myself and I remember opening my eyes and Seeing like all the people that I loved, all my doula sisters, my mom, my husband, my daughter, um, all in my bedroom. Yeah, Yeah, we were all in my bedroom. And I just felt really safe. Like I felt so safe. It was dark in there. And I'm like, cool, I could just relax for a second. Like I can just take a deep breath and catch my breath from crying so hard. Yeah. Um, And I I remember asking my baby to not come so fast. Like, I'm like, if you could just, you know, like, ease your way out. Like, very similar to how it happens on Instagram. Just out. Because I felt like she was about to just burst out of my body. So I, I was just trying to breathe and slow everything down. I was trying to be very in control of my body and very aligned and tuned with my baby. And so I, I saw everybody, like, getting stuff ready around the room. There was chucks pads everywhere. People started putting on you know, gloves. And I didn't have that baby for another three hours. <laughs> it was three hours. I was like, no, she's coming soon. I promise you. Yeah, the baby's going to come. <laughs> and so I was like squatting deep into every contraction. But I knew better not to push until I felt the urge to push. I knew where, like, where that sensation was going to come from. And I knew very clearly what that felt like. And I wasn't feeling it. And so mm-hmm. slowly, one by one, people started going to sleep. <laughs> And that felt so discouraging to me. I'm like, wait, no, wait, wait, I promise I'll give you baby soon. So closer to, maybe it was like two something. I don't know. Um, I looked around, everybody was asleep, y'all. Everybody was asleep on the floor. My bedroom was just me and my husband awake and he looked so tired. 
I was like, going it. I did it again. I don't know what I'm doing. This is not even real. I'm not even in labor. This baby's never going to come. I was spiraling. And my husband, he was tired, y'all. And this is the only time he showed any sign of exhaustion. He was like, stop it. Stop. Stop, okay? You know what you're doing. And you're going to have this baby tonight. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. He was not playing. Like, he had been through so many, like, emotional roller coasters with me that he's like, you got to get it together, Tayo. Like, you're so close. This is here. Just get yourself in the zone. So mm-hmm. he drew me up another bath. And I'm, like, super enema girl. When I'm in labor, I want all the enemas because I'm like, I need to be clear. I need all the space. And so I'm like, okay. He got an enema together. I think that was maybe my third enema which was helpful because I ate a lot during my labor and clearing it all out was super cool. Mm-hmm. But he drew me up this enema. I felt better and we got in the bathtub and I told my husband before, I don't want you to get in the bathtub with me. No matter what I say, just don't do it. I think it's weird. Like, don't, please. <laughs> He's six five too. So I'm like, our bathtub is not that big. Just don't. This is how I knew that I was tripping. I was like, babe, will you please get in the tub with me? <laughs> He was like, sure. I was like, please, please. So he got in there. He had on some, maybe, I think he didn't put any swim trunks on, y'all. I think he was like naked in the tub. I think think he had on basketball shorts with no shirt. Something, y'all. Something, because we had to wait to come in the bathroom. Yes. Okay, so we get in the tub. This is where things start getting cracking. We were in there for about 30 minutes. I fell asleep. Y'all are no longer. (laughs) (laughs) because I remember having two contractions and they were about 15 minutes apart. So I think it was like 30 minutes. I don't know. But I know I was knocked out. I was knocked out and I only woke up the first time I had that contraction. I was like, Ugh. the second contraction, I was like, Ugh. so I sat up and I was on my hands and knees. He was behind me knocked out and he felt me sit up and he was like, Ugh, what, what? and I was like, Ugh, uh, uh. I can't talk. Right. And he was having this weird out-of-body experience that was he wears glasses he didn't have his glasses on so he said that he thought that he saw the baby coming out with all the hands and all the legs like multiple limbs hanging out of my vagina at once (laughs) and so (laughs) he said that he was out and so all i hear him saying is oh my god so i woke up to our screen first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Open the door, you guys. And they're like, give me a second. And he's trying, you hear water splashing. He hopped out So I'm like, She's what are you saying? What is it? What are you saying? And I'm on my hands and knees. He's like, lifting my butt up, trying to get a view of my vagina. And they're I'm still like, in this tub. I get in the bathroom. Yeah. They're still in this tub. Chaos in the tub, y'all. Just straight chaos. Nobody knows what's happening. Hands in the back, like you were bent over. Yeah, I was on my hands and knees. No, you weren't on your hands and knees. You were in some. She was in some awkward. She was in some awkward position where I couldn't see. He had his hands there, like he was, like you were the. uh, Like he was gonna catch the football. Yeah, like a football (laughs) move. And I was like, "Get out!" That's when my mom's like. (laughs) get out of the tub. And I'm like, heck no, 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 I can't move. I can't move. She was like, look, Tyler, we can't see. And I immediately was like, what do you need to see? What do you need to see? Okay. Like we got a mirror. 
I put the mirror. I'm like, just get the mirror. They put the mirror down and I sat on the mirror and they were like, you got to get out. You got to get the drug. <laughs> That still took that. She still didn't get out easily. No, I didn't. One in a, I think a contraction. Yeah, contraction came, and I was like, "Everybody, I'm about to push, okay?" Because I thought I was gonna have this water birth, y'all. My husband knocked so much water out of the tub. It was maybe waters like up to my ankles. That was it. <laughs> so my mom's like, "You're not having the baby in the tub. Get out." So I'm like yelling at her like, "No, no, I'm not getting out." And I eventually had to get out. But before I got out, I felt the contraction. I was like, I'm about to push so hard and somebody better catch this baby. I pushed so hard, nothing came out. All I heard was, boop. I thought I had pooped a golf ball or like a baby's arm or something. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And nobody had an answer for me. Everybody was just kind of looking around. And my husband was like, oh, that was your water. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't do this. No, I'm delirious. I don't think you were like, out of the tub. Home. No, I was still she in the was tub. Still in the tub. So I'm like, all of that, and I just broke my water. I can't do this. So they ended up getting me out of the tub. My doula sister was in there. It was um, just us four. So she kind of crept up in there. Like, I didn't even see or hear her come she in. Yeah, she has such a soft because spirit. the the we you, you guys. It was hard to get. It was hard for me to get in the restroom. Yeah. But she found her way in there. She had her gloves and stuff so on. So we, we, somebody was slipping me Chucks through the door. Yeah. And so while she, we were trying to get her out of the tub, we were lining the floor with Chucks to get her to step out of the tub mm-hmm. and convince her to get out. And by the time we finally got her out of the tub, the mm-hmm. whole floor was covered in, in Chucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I got out and Shanika's there and I'm just screaming, y'all, like an animal, just for no reason. Just, I think I was just overwhelmed with so many emotions. I was mm-hmm. upset that like it happened fast and I didn't want it to happen fast. I'm like, these three hours of nothing. Yeah. I was like, it's not fair. Like it was supposed to be like Instagram on Instagram. All the home births are so sweet and babies just slide out of vaginas <laughs> into water and it's beautiful. People are crying. It was not like that. It was, it felt chaotic. It felt rushed. And so I was angry. I was so angry because I felt like I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I had a really hard pregnancy. I deserve a beautiful, perfect birth. So I'm screaming at everyone. And Shanika, I remember she was like kneeling down and she was like, Tayo, I need in this, you know, that doula voice that no mm-hmm. doula ever wants to hear. I don't want to hear that. I'm a doula. So I know what you're trying to do to me. She's like, Tayo, I need you to just bring all of that energy down, mama, and focus on getting your baby out. You're doing a a lot of screaming and I was like is this stuff what you're trying to tell me to be quiet in my own house at my birth no I will not and so I put my arm around her neck like I put her head in my armpit and I was like oh I'm about to scream her ears so <laughs> and I'm wailing oh my gosh I was so loud our neighbor's bathroom Door, like our bathroom window is right across from our bathroom window. I remember looking down to that window. Her name is Miss Mason. I was like, I hope Miss Mason can hear me right now at three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. I hope she can hear me because I'm so angry. And that baby just slid out. I felt her head come out, and I knew better that I should have waited to mm. the next contraction to push her body out. But I was angry and I wanted it to be done with, and so I just squeezed her body. <laughs> I forced her body out. Um, and I heard them say like her head is out and my husband was there. My mom 
I heard them like open up the gloves. I don't remember what y'all are doing. I don't know. But she came out and I just started crying because I felt exhausted. Mm-hmm. The best way I can explain it was like, if you were forced to do something very scary that you didn't want to do, it was really, really hard. It was a nightmare and you did it and you just feel exhausted that you did that. Like, I was like, man, this hurts so bad. And I'm, I just was sobbing. Like, I wasn't happy. It was not tears of joy at all. It was like, this was so much work. Why did that happen to me? Why was it like that? And my husband picked up this baby, y'all. First thing he said was, let's go. <laughs> and he pulled the baby to his chest. Like, he had just given birth to her himself. He was like, come on, Tayo. Yes, you did that. <laughs> this is not new for my husband. This is not new for my husband. <laughs> it's a so celebration. Like, Here he go again. Here he go. Everybody's like, Tayo, you so good. I'm like, yeah, shut up. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I think I was probably the most unpleasant, newly postpartum mom ever. You remember how annoyed I was? You were just in a lot of pain. I was so mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm so done with life. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to mm-hmm. hold her. Everyone else was holding her. But I did remember my husband had pulled the baby up to his chest, and I felt him kind of yank on my cord a bit. And I started seeing the flow, like just a blow. Then I was like, great. Now I'm about to hemorrhage to death in my bathroom. Excellent, guys. So I'm like, guys, there's a lot of blood here. And they're like, Tyo, it's okay. You know, you're standing upright. This is normal. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. You guys are just going to all watch me bleed out. How wonderful. So I'm like, I got one elbow up on the, um, on the sink. And everyone's just trying to make sure the baby is fine. And We're waiting mm-hmm. for the placenta to come out. Yeah. So we hadn't left and the bathroom. And when it finally came out. Mm-hmm. We had the placenta plus the baby and once in the bathroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I had the placenta on the bed. That was once we got you out of the bathroom. I'm talking about when you were still in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So we had the placenta wrap and then we had the baby wrap separately. But then I think your husband was holding both of it because he was still sitting in the tub somehow. No, no way. What? Yeah. Oh, and then remember. we cleaned her. And we were pressing on her stomach. We cleaned her. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. tried to drop as much of the blood into the bathroom as possible. Yeah. And that's what she was freaking out about. So we did that on her feet. Mm-hmm. And then we moved you. To the bed. We put, we padded you up. And I think we might have stuck a chuck between your I leg think or Arnold something I carried like that. me. I think he carried me to the bed. I but we had to stick a lot of stuff between yeah. your leg. And then we switched, like, we switched with the the baby. Yeah. I think I had the baby at that point. Yeah. And then he carried you into the bed, put you in the bed and we cleaned you up. Yeah. But the placenta came mm-hmm. out super easy. Mm-hmm. Everything after was as wonderful as it could be. I just was bitter. I was bitter and angry and salty still. And I did not want to hold that baby. I know that I did not want to hold her. And they were like, come on, let's put her on. So I lifted up my arm so they could slide her up under my armpit. I'm like, here, and my titty was so saggy, y'all. It just was like, it just fell over onto the bed. Just enough so that the baby could get her mouth on there. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to do this again. Breastfeed this baby while I'm in all this pain and my vagina hurts. Oh. So all of the photos of that time, I had this like super annoyed oh, look on my face. we were doing compresses of comfrey on. Yep. We had some um, comfrey in a little crock pot because, you know, mm-hmm. Mama Shafia, she raised us right. And so she always 
boys was preaching about this comfrey and warmth, not cold, on the mm-hmm. vagina. So mm-hmm. I had towels, a big old pot of some comfrey that we had made a couple of days before. And it was wonderful. All those things were wonderful. I just needed time to deal with my own feelings. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing that I had enough family there that I could do that. People took yeah. care of that baby. My old saggy titty could reach the baby without me having to touch her. And I had enough family there to take her off and, you know, like, put her diaper on. I wasn't worried about no skin to skin. I was just happy that the baby was out of my body and that I could have a moment to myself. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's not, like, the typical, you know, processing of a new mom. But I was just like, I need some time, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I need some time. I need some space. And I was so happy that I didn't have to take care of my baby, you know? My mom was there. Her big sister was there. All of my dual sisters were there. My husband was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my oldest daughter, yeah. My oldest daughter was so excited to see her. And I love how my daughter recounts everything that happened. She was like, yeah, you got yeah. on the bed. The placenta came out. Oh, my daughter started crying because when we pulled the scissors out to cut the placenta, she was like, don't cut my baby sister. Don't, what are you doing? Put those away. And we were like, oh, okay. So I guess we have to explain this to you. Right. <laughs> this is what, she's like, that is attached. Yes. She's like, that's attached to my sister. And you got some scissors and you coming at her quick with those scissors. Right. So all that stuff just was like as perfect as any home birth could be. Like we had no complications afterwards. I felt fine. Somebody brought me some food and, and I was just so tired and I knocked out. And I think my mom kept the baby. <laughs> I think she kept the baby. And because I sure don't remember nothing being near me. You know, that first, the first sleep that you get is not real sleep. Mm-hmm. You have a baby. I didn't have a baby. <laughs> my mom had that baby, and she would just bring her to me every few hours, put her on my boob, and I would roll over and go back to sleep. So that was that was the birth. My husband yeah. got up a few hours. She was born at like 3 o'clock in the morning. He got up later that afternoon and took my daughter to soccer practice. He got like no sleep at all. He was the champion of all champions. Came home, cleaned the house again, made dinner. And kept it going. So I spent the first 40 days at home upstairs. I didn't go downstairs until the 10th day. And we had a naming ceremony for her. And that's when we had everyone who was at the birth and some other folks, too, who were really big support folks in our pregnancy. And we cooked dinner, Mm -hmm. right? We cooked dinner. And we said thank you to all of them. And they participated in naming our daughter. We planted her placenta. It was beautiful. And it was great. And it only took me like 24 hours to get out of my little mood, y'all. Like once I got out of that saltiness, I was like, cool, a baby. How cool. This is yeah. great. And I'm happy. And I was good. Yeah. I mean, no. go ahead, Daniel. No, no, no. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think like yeah. the one big takeaway that I, that I have is just, the amount of space that everybody gave you to feel whatever you needed to feel. There was no Mm -hmm. pressure to like change that to like, you were just allowed to be completely free. And even after you had her, no one like pressured it into being like, no, you need to do this skin to skin. You need to hold this baby. Like they were like, clearly 
you need some space, let's give her her space and let's do all the other things. And I just think that is so freaking powerful and important. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that it was my mama that was doing that. Like, my baby is so close to my mom because that was the person that she was smelling, you know? And it Mm -hmm. didn't interrupt the bond that me and my baby had at Mm -hmm. all. But how lucky am I that my daughter gets to know my mother as another mother of hers, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She knows the sound of her voice. She knows exactly what she smells because in the first four hours of her life, she was sleeping with my mom. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, this... It felt so natural. So one of my daughter's names, we gave her tons of names. But the name that my mom gave her was Sankofa. And Sankofa means to go back and get it. And I couldn't help but think about how we kind of like went back in this natural process of childbirthing. My mother was the one who assisted me. She was there caring for And this was my mom's first home birth. Yeah. And it was the first home birth of her grandchild. But she was able to go back and practice what was natural you know I can't imagine how many of our um, maternal ancestors did this exact same thing and for the first time we Mm -hmm. were able to you know go back in our lineage and be able to have a natural but powerful process of birth where it incorporated all of the women in our family so my daughter myself and my mother were all present it was great it was great oh that's just so that's so special that is really 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 special it was yeah. That's what helped me get over my little saltiness, too, about her not sliding out. I was like, I guess this was kind of meaningful. It was <laughs> she said it doesn't look like, it's not like Instagram. No, <laughs> I, and, and you know, I consumed a healthy amount, a healthy dose of hours on Instagram looking yes. at home births. Yes, yes. Good amount of them. I saw all these black women having these amazing births. And I was like, that's about to be me. And I also was very excited that we had a birth. This was really important to me, y'all. We had a birth that was all black women. Mm-hmm. All black mm-hmm. people. I had never had a birth like that. Every one of my births before then, there were white people around, or there were people that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told people, like, people were like, she's so happy. This is the happiest thing. I'm like, because she had never been touched by a white person, ever. And she also had never been touched by a stranger. <laughs> There were no people who were just there, you know, like sharing her energy. And it really made a big difference to me. I was so proud that it took the black people in my life and that's it to have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. I think we, I mean, I know I felt it Yeah. Like in my first and second pregnancy. I felt like black people weren't enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe you found a black OB. And maybe you had a black nurse, but somebody in that hospital, are you going to have an all black hospital? Everyone that was participating in my childbirth was someone that not only was close to me, but it was a person of color. Mm-hmm. And that meant everything to me because I had seen so many births online of black families who were trying to do something radical by having their baby at home, right? But they couldn't do it without the help of a white midwife, which is fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, girl, you get help from the person who's going to be the best help for you. But it was really, really, really important to me that I brought together because I knew that there were black women who were capable of doing this. I knew I didn't have to go too far. And I know white midwives who are amazing, but it was really important to me that my daughter saw that, my family saw that, my child's um, godmother had never been to a birth before. And so I can't imagine what her experience is going to be like knowing 
the first birth that she went to was her godchild, and it was all black women just helping each other, loving each other, competent, prepared, like on it, on yeah. it. Yeah. It's so good. Ugh. There's a lot, huh? Do you, do you feel exhausted now? You know, I just feel exhausted. <laughs> That just feels so good. I mean, it, you yeah, know, I know so you did cool. a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> you did the work. You yeah. did that. Yeah. But just, it just, it really, it, that really brings, yeah, hope. hope. That's exciting. Um, mm-hmm. It was. I feel like hope going through it. <laughs> I feel like that then. But when I look back. I know. I know. I know. Yes. Right. You know, yeah. I often like if I'm having this type of day, you know, I'm standing in line at Whole Foods and somebody gives me a little bit of fast, I'll be like, hold up. You know, I have my baby at home on the bathroom floor by myself. Don't try me. Okay. Excuse me. Let me put my groceries on here right now. Excuse me. I never check myself. It's like mm-hmm. that's what I go back to all the time. Of course, people say, like, oh man, mothers are so strong. You're so cool. But you got to contextualize what your pregnancy was like and what your birth was like. I tell my clients so often, every baby costs a different amount. Mm-hmm. Every baby comes at a different cost. Some people have very expensive babies. Like you had to pay to get pregnant with them. You paid every single day of your pregnancy. You paid during your labor and you almost lost your life, but you paid the cost. And some people have kind of cheap babies where they ain't got to do much. That baby's going to come out. But your baby costs a certain amount and you have to pay every single penny. You had to come up with it. So when I think about how much it took to get this baby here, I can't do anything but be proud of myself because mm-hmm. I paid all the money. I put Emotional up. Currency. Yes. Mm-hmm. I put up every single amount of, of physical uh, emotional and physical currency that was required yes. to get her here. And I paid the whole cost. Y'all know they say Jesus paid it all. <laughs> he paid it all then. And then I had to pay the balance. <laughs> I had to pay the balance to get her. <laughs> balance. Uh, different type of balance. You know Jesus paid the balance. Yeah, you took out the loan. Right. Yeah, got a loan from the Lord. There it is. <laughs> there we go. A loan from the Lord. <laughs> I have to remind myself that what I did was amazing in the context of my own life, considering yes. all my experiences. It puts you in, not debt, but it yes. puts you indebted with yeah. God because yes. you have to yes. center yourself with the spirit that is inside of you mm-hmm. that he has given everybody to commune and say, look, I don't want to die. Yeah, I don't want to die. I don't want my baby to die. I don't want to split in half. No. I, you know, these are things I'm really concerned about. I don't want these things to happen. Help me. Mm-hmm. you know and that 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 communing with yourself on the inside brings that that strength and an empowerment on the outside of you knowing i'm bigger than this this is bigger than me and i'm I'm stronger than you know than than what i think yeah yeah oh boy i'm tired now <laughs> <laughs> i am tired reliving that yeah. oh I have Thank you. to stay out of that part of my bathroom sometimes. I walk past the sink and I'll be like, that's so raven. I'll be having a vision like, this is it. Feeling. Oh, man. Once she hits like one and Yeah, two maybe and it'll three, be good it'll, then. It'll start to feel. Right now, it makes my vagina hurt when I stand yeah, right there. To... 
I'll be like, going through your labor and then soon you push out. Yeah, I know it's just like, that was too much. I learned a lot though. I feel like I became an expert by the third time. None of that weird stuff I did the first time. Third time, I got it together. First time I was pushed for like 45 minutes. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Mm. Third time I'm like, this baby's coming out today. <laughs> <Right now." laughs> oh, 